People, 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 good morning, good morning, good morning. You already know who it is, Arsenio Buck, as always, reporting live from Bangkok. Guys, welcome back to the Arsenio Buck Show, and a huge warm welcome to everyone who is tuning in from around the world and so many different countries, and thank you so much for your support. And I'm so grateful, and I am so, and you know what, I had to scoot ahead. Napoleon Hill's book, alright, there's five lessons left, right? We have the cooperation, we have failure, actually I think there's about four lessons left. And I said, you know what, I really want to talk about failure. Because failure, and especially when people fail one time, they give up forever. Forever. And you know what, I gotta talk about some great failures of mine. Now, some of you have probably heard this story, but I'm going to paint the picture. I'm going to paint the picture right now. Okay, here we go. 2005. It's a May cold night, about 8 p.m. Sunrise Regional Championships. Of course, me, my alma mater being Rancho High School. I am in green. I am running out of the third lane in the 300 meters intermediate hurdles. Okay, the stadium is packed. I mean, beyond packed. There are no seats. And so basically, there are three steps. It's not like California where they have the CIF prelim, CIF finals, state prelim, state finals, and they even have Golden Leagues before that. Basically, it revolves around this. Okay, you got Sunrise and Sunset. There's about 20 schools in Sunrise, 20 schools in Sunset. Everyone basically qualifies dependent on their time for the regional championships. After that are the regional finals, and that of course, leads into the state championship race, which only house, you know, houses three, well, I'm sorry, eight, eight lanes, and that's the end of it. So here I am. I'm actually heavy, heavily favored because I'm running out of, very, out of a very favorable lane. And here I am, 300-meter hurdles. They made us sit on a cold field for about 15 to 20 minutes. And then I wasn't stretching, I wasn't this, I wasn't that. I think there was someone on the track that was still lapping around, and normally the 800-meter race goes before the 300-meter intermediate hurdle. So, with that being said, they finally called us to our lines about 15, 20 minutes in, and you know what? My body was stiff. I didn't stay stretched, I didn't warm up, I didn't have anything that could benefit me. But you know what? I stood there, and without any excuses, I was standing on that start line. I remember glancing over and looking at these two Filipino guys just out of nowhere. I still remember their faces. And they looked at me like, go do work. And boy, I remember they said, on your marks. And I stepped up into that block. I did my usual hop in the air, crouched down, jumped into the blocks. And I said, okay, Arsenio, it's time to go do it. I'm heavily favored, you, you know, I'm favored to at least get the top three, or at least like a fast, though, I think the third fastest time to go into, of course, the regional finals. And boom, the gun goes off, and I am screaming out of the blocks. And it's weird, because Paulo Verde's track, which I, which is a high school in like the way west side of uh, Las Vegas, their track, the 300 meter hurdles actually starts in the curb rather than starting on the straightaway for whatever reason. And I think a lot of tracks are like this probably around America, give or take, you know, wherever you are and whatnot. <coughs> Excuse me. And so it was a little bit different for me, but you know what? I think I practically started off too fast. I remember passing by the fastest guy in my heat who ran out of basic high school, which is in the southeast side of town. And I remember, man, after 100 meters, I was clearly a favor. Uh, well, I'm a favorite. Going into, of course, that last turn, but I'm telling you, probably at about the 120 meter mark, 
my legs turned into cinder blocks. Basically, I'm saying that the weight that was bearing down on my legs, I could barely even get over the hurdles. And I just recall everyone passing me. And here I am just struggling. By the time we hit that last 200 meter mark, the last straightaway, everyone was in front of me. Even lanes one and lanes eight. And you know what? I remember falling down at the finish line and crying, weeping, walked across the field in just devastation, tears running down my face, crossing obviously on the other side of the track. And I remember seeing these two African-American girls. They were twins with glasses. They looked at me and they saw me crying and they didn't say a word. Of course, they were off my team and whatnot. And I just sat at the blanket and I just wept. And I remember there were probably about two to four people that came up to me. I think it was those twins and there was another girl and someone else. And they were like, I mean, junior year of high school. Of course, I could go get it senior year of high school. But I remember I was just so devastated. Sat there for about 20 minutes to soak up everything and went over there to my coach. Coach Meyer of Iowa. And I remember I just said, man, sorry, coach. And he gave me a hug. And he had like these tears in his eyes too. And he's like, don't worry. And you know what's so tragic about that night was the 800 meter runner Robert, who was actually favored to make it really far, he failed. He had tears in his eyes. One of our best throwers by the name of Brandon, who should have gotten to the state championship, he failed. Our 4x100, which had like one of the top times in the entire the, in the entire season, in the entire state, failed. Everyone failed. And it was just such, it was just one of those nights, you know? And it's amazing because, you know, I always say it, it's amazing because, of course, I remember we got in the car with this girl named Kizna, Japanese-Filipino, and I like to paint the picture because you guys know what nationalities are. And my cousin, she's like, don't worry about it, and someone else. And I remember this guy, Radio, who we call Brandon, he was a very comedic figure and so of course him just failing to reach the the basically state championships we go into uh i think a burger king and all hell broke loose i forgot what it was but it was so funny so we snapped out of it i remember going back home and i walked into my mom's room and i said mom i failed and my mom didn't she didn't really know that type of support to give me you know what i mean my mom doesn't know much about sports and whatnot so of course she isn't going to stand up at like 9 30 p.m when she's already in bed by about 8 p.m and say hey it's going to be all right. You got a year left. Um, but it was a failure amongst failures. And you know what? I joined uh, and it was in May 2005 going into, of course, uh, August. Three months later, I joined cross country. A lot of distance. Basically, it's a lot of distance running and what, uh, whatnot. So I could kind of build up my endurance and. You know what? Little did I know, back in 2005, we didn't have the YouTubes. We didn't have the health. We didn't have the nutrition. How to train for this. How to train for this. There weren't workout routines and all these things that are accessible online today, which brings me to the point that the internet is unbelievable. I didn't have that back in 2005. I didn't even have a computer. Man, I just drifted online when I had to, uh, when I was a student aide in a counselor's office rather than doing figuring out workout regimes and what to eat and, you know, what should I do to build up strength and the endurance and stuff like that, man. Leading into that next race, the next, the very next race of the 2006 season, 
me being a senior running at Liberty High School and running in front of a lot of gorgeous women because apparently this side of Vegas uh, houses, you know, a lot of Asian people in general. And boy, I remember those girls in the stands. I said, man, I got to go out there. I got to show, man, I got to look, look good. I got to do this. I got to do that. And again, here I am. Boom, I came out of the blocks. Flying just as I was flying in the Sunrise Regional Championships. And boy, I remember 200 meter mark. Legs got really heavy. I remember people were rooting for me in the stands, and I was just dragging my legs over the hurdles once again. It wasn't even that cold outside. No excuses. No excuses. And you know what? It came across that last hurdle, and you guys could see in my default picture, of course, you know, being on Twitter, on whatever you see this on, you're going to see that picture of me basically falling over. And that's exactly what happened on the last hurdle. I literally clipped it, I fell, and I crawled across the finish line. The infamous crawler is what they call me throughout the rest of the year. And man, I just re- I just laughed. I said, oh man, fuck this. And you know what? I think I ran the 300 meter hurdles probably one or two more times for the rest of the year because I had that mental barrier that I cannot compete anymore in this event. And I'm going to focus more on the 110 meter high hurdles. You know what? To this day, that's what fuels me. You know, I just went downstairs. And you guys probably hear, you guys hear that noise. That Those are medals from the Spartan race. And you know what? I just went downstairs to check my mailbox. And uh, I got actually a piece of paper. And it says, by Air Mail, Par Avion, Royal Mail, Royal Mail. And I was like, what? And I looked at the addresses from the United Kingdom. I said, who the hell is sending me things from the United Kingdom? And then, boom, there goes my dog tags. And it says, Arsenio James Buck. Aru! And it shows the time of my Spartan race that I just competed in. That is my driver. Falling over the hurdles. Failing to make the Sunrise Regional Championship Finals. That's what busts. That's what makes me... Get up every morning and go flying down the streets of Bangkok, running over these bridges, people looking at me crazy, people holding their noses because they think I stink. I don't give a damn. That's what drives me to this day. And you know what? If I didn't fail as hard as I did back then, I would not be the success I am today in terms of running. In terms of doing these Spartan races. Guys, I am on the eve of one of the most insane years of my life. February 24th, Hurricane Heat. Four-hour massively, ridiculously difficult endurance race. After that, I'll be going to Kazakhstan. And then I'll be going to Egypt. I got an event probably coming in a beast, and I got basically a Spartan in May, and I got a beast coming up and a super. I got all kinds of things that are happening next year. I mean, I'm taking rampant, and I mean rampant vacations. And you know what? When I get that trifecta medal, it's going to be one of the glorious things. But there's no stopping after that. I want to do an ultra beast, which is basically an 8 to 12 hour race. I'm going to push my body to the limit. Why? Because of that failure. When I'm running and when I'm working out and I'm giving those last reps, I always think of that night, that that fulfilling and maybe unfulfilling at the time night. 
in May in 2005. That's what drives me. Failure is what Napoleon Hill talks about so much. In no terms is failure a negative term. It's basically what we need. To continue going forward, to continue marching forward. See, a lot of people are enduring failure when it comes to educational purpose, test purposes, life purposes, relationship purposes, personal development, physical environment, doing this, doing that. I hear you, but it's needed in the process. See, guys, all those failures of me applying for jobs and never getting responses for whatever reasons here in Thailand... You know what? That broke me down to the molecular level. I couldn't even believe. I, I had no more belief in myself. I was like, dude, do I even have the credentials? Do I have this? Do I have that? Arsenio, you have everything. But the thing is, these people don't need someone like you because you're too great. That's the way I look at it. That's failure. See, Michael Jordan says, man, I don't feel like I ran out of... um." Uh, it's not that I missed the uh, last shots that many times and whatnot. It's basically, I. It, it's the fact that he ran out of time to succeed. So every time he lost, he didn't look at it like a loss. He said, you know what, I just ran out of time. That's success, and that's why he's one of the greatest NBA players ever. National Basketball, Basketball Association, if you guys are listening to me. So... Napoleon Hill wrote in his book, and I'm going to get into, of course, his turning points in the next podcast because it's very, very long. He has probably about five turning points. Well, I'm sorry, seven. I mean, it could be a, it could be much more, and I'm going to break these down because you know what? Failure is the greatest gift of humanity. He said in his book, he said, neither temporary defeat nor adversity amounts to failure in the mind of the person who looks upon it as a teacher. That will teach some needed lesson. As a matter of fact, there is a great and lasting lesson in every reverse and in every defeat. And usually, it is a lesson that could be learned in no other way than through defeat. Defeat often talks to us in a dumb language that we do not understand. If this were not true, we would not make the same mistakes over and over again without profiting by the lessons that they might teach us. If it were true, we would observe more closely the mistakes which other people make and profit by them. See, the main object of this lesson, people, is to help you guys understand the profit by this dumb language in which defeat talks to us. And this is what failure is. See, people are failing everywhere. A lot of people say fail forward. Hell, Gary Vee even said in a podcast, a very, very riveting podcast. It was like a two-hour, I think it was a keynote or a fire chat. He said, you know what? I'm going to quote him. Excuse my language. I fuck up on purpose. So then everyone could say, ha, 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 you're a fuck up. But then I ultimately stick it in their faces anyway. Mess up on purpose, people, is what I'm trying to tell you. Because if you're afraid to fail, just fail right out of the gates. Just fuck up. Excuse my language. Just mess up purposely. So that people are going to say, ah, you can't do it. But in your mind, you're like, well, I actually did that on purpose. So then it's a win-win situation going forward. Welcome to the introduction of failure. These are one of, this is one of the most vital and the most transmutated or whatever you want to call it, whatever crazy adjective you want to throw out there that people need to understand. Failure is beautiful. Embrace it. 
take that loss like a champ and be grateful for it. Now, this is the beginning. I wanted to go over my failures first. And now I'm going to get into, of course, Napoleon Hill's turning points, which is going to be the next podcast tomorrow morning. However, there is a uh, a pre-recorded podcast about my TEDx that's going to be coming on and debuting later on tonight, probably within the next 12 hours, I'm pretty sure. I'm sorry. Next 10 hours is going to be debuting, so you guys stay tuned for that. And get ready. Get ready to go over this from head to toe because this is one of the most important I guess, aspects of life. People fail and they give up. Hell, people kill themselves. But failure, I laugh it off. I shrug it off. I say thank you. And I say, baby, I failed. I'm taking this loss like a champion. And this is what you guys need to do going forward. And with that being said, people, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. As always, this is your host, Arsenio, over and out.